Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi everyone, I've managed to make it back to my office uh, in the UK quite quickly. It's been a quite a tiring weekend for me, I'll be honest. Um, went to Monaco on Wednesday, came back to England on Thursday. I had a shakedown of a couple of cars for the Williams Fam Day we have next weekend. Then went back on Friday, came back on Sunday. Uh, and I wasn't exactly relaxed when we were, well, when I was in any of these places. So uh, I feel a bit tired this morning. Anyway. Um, what a uh, fairly dramatic weekend in Monaco. The race itself, I'll be honest, wasn't the most exciting. But the way the the stuff, the weekend unfolded, um, you know, I think it, it was quite a, could be a pivotal weekend in the World Championship battle. We got there on Thursday at the circuit at free practice one and Hamilton hit the ground running. He was straight out there, straight on it. Uh, both Mercedes looked really good. But as the weekend progressed, FP2, they looked completely lost. And, and Lewis looked like he was overdriving it, chasing grip that wasn't there, started to make mistakes, going down escape rows, cutting chicanes. You know, he never put his lap together on those qualifying simulations. And Valtteri didn't seem happy either. You know, they were down in 8th and 10th. And then really the big question mark came, well, okay, is that actually real or what's going on here? We got to FP3 um, on Saturday and the, the, the people have an extra day to think about things and we got to FP3 and again Lewis didn't seem to put a lap together whereas Valtteri put his lap he jumped ahead of the Red Bulls he, he was within four tenths of Seb but still four tenths away and I think that the, the short wheelbase Ferrari we sort of expected to be strong in Monaco but they were really really strong um, and when you look at the race pace as well it was pretty pretty devastating really their pace I mean um, I'm just looking here, the, the numbers and fastest lap, Seb did a 15.2, Kimi 15.5, Lewis 15.8. So that's, you know, okay, you've got different tyres at different times, but it, it's, you know, it's a reasonable difference anyway. Um, but on to qualifying, because that is the pivotal point of the weekend, actually. Um, you know, I think... Monaco, you know, we, we all spend days and days and days banging on about the, the importance of qualifying, but it's so true. You know, if you don't qualify well, your whole Sunday is just compromised. Um, it's not everything, as Seb and Kimi showed, and, and I'll come back to that, but it's so important. And I think um, it was great to see Kimi Raikkonen get pole position. Uh, I did a bit of analysis, don't know how many of you saw it on the Channel 4 coverage of the weekend, but it's still on the website. Um, you know, I did some analysis looking at the two Ferrari drivers, uh, their, their best qualifying laps, and it was amazing. It wasn't actually just one sector or one corner. It actually went back and forth. You know, Seb was ahead in turn one and, and, and sector one. Kimi got it back through Mirabeau and Massenet. And then, um, you know, Seb pulled time back through Tabak in the swimming pool. And then Kimi did it back at the last couple of corners. So uh, it was interesting listening to Mark Webber because he actually, 
said to us before qualifying that he was always faster than Seb through Raskas every year. And sure enough, that's actually where Seb lost pole. He, he was about half a tenth ahead when he went into Raskas and Anthony knows, and he came out that half tenth behind. Um, so it was pretty fascinating qualifying. And actually, I think, you know, we were all excited to see Kimi get pole. But I think we shouldn't downplay the job Valtteri did because he, in Q2, he was already three tenths ahead of Lewis. If you take Lewis's lap until he got that yellow flag for Stoffel, he was still about three and a half tenths down on Valtteri at that point. So I'm, I'm not counting the actual lap time in the end, but I'm, I'm saying just if you look at, you know, the lap that Lewis aborted even, you know, the one he actually put the time on the board was was 1.2 seconds off because he kept aborting his laps. But, you know, he was still behind Valtteri. He was still, uh, and Valtteri's lap in Q3 was stunning. You know, within, th I'm looking at the number there, two, within two thousandths of Seb and within, you know, half a tenth of Kimi, which with a car which we didn't believe was as competitive as the Ferrari, I thought it was a sterling effort, really. Um, and sort of reminiscent of Sochi in some way, you know, the track where the, the grip's not there, the front end bite is not there, and Valtteri just underdrives a little bit to make sure he gets the nose into those corners and, and he's able to hook the lap together better than Lewis. And it's quite clear the Mercedes has a very narrow setup window, but I think in these circumstances, it does seem like Valtteri is able to extract the lap time and performance better than Lewis is. And that's something I'm sure Pete Ponnington and the Lewis side of the carriage are really going to think about as they go forward for the rest of the season. Because if they're going to win this world championship, um, you know, you'd still have to say he's the favourite of the two Mercedes drivers to be in the fight. But if he's going to win this world championship, he's going to have to work on that uh, side of things. Um, to the race, the big talking point, obviously, start went ahead and then it was sort of status quo. The big talking point was, did Ferrari use team orders to switch them? There were so many tweets and questions and people up and down the paddock speculating. Here's my view. I think Max Verstappen pitted early. Um, he went for the undercut on, on Bottas. But when he came out of the pits, Max's times weren't great on the super soft tyres. And Daniel uh, and so Valtteri also pitted for super soft. And both of them on the super soft weren't quick enough uh, when compared to Daniel who was staying on the used ultra soft and at that point Ferrari I think perhaps didn't look at that enough they got spooked by Max and Bottas coming in early didn't look at the fact perhaps that you know Daniel on the used tires was actually lapping quicker than them they weren't able to light up the super softs as quickly as they needed to and, and therefore Kimmy was complaining, you know, talking about when are we pitting, etc., etc. And I think collectively they, they opted to bring Kimmy in um, at that point. And Seb obviously stayed out. And when Seb went across the line and, you know, straight away on his, what, what would have been Kimmy's outlap and Seb stayed out, he was lighting up personal best sectors. Then he hammered in fastest lap and it was like, oh, this is actually going to favor him. I thought Kimmy did a very good job actually of switching on the super soft because he, he kept the gap quite tight to Seb, but it was quite clear that on this occasion, the overcut, effectively staying out longer than the people who were pitting, 
was the strategy to have. And I don't think it was team orders. My personal belief is I don't think that it was team orders, but I think it was um, just one of those things, a, a strategic mistake, which in hindsight is easy to look back and say, oh, they should have done this. But it's so difficult because the tires, the window on the tires is so narrow that the, it's so tricky to get the tire strategy right with these Pirelli tires, the right temperature, they're so temperamental in some way. Um, you, it's hard to blame Ferrari, but, you know, Kimi's face had the look of thunder on the podium. And I don't blame him, you know, losing a Monaco win for him, especially after so long of not having won a race. And, you know, he drove so well all weekend. But ultimately, those three or four laps that Seb did won him the Grand Prix. And, uh, you know, those are the kind of moments which, when we get to Abu Dhabi, could be defining moments in the World Championship battle. You know, he's now 25 points ahead of Hamilton, Sebastian is, and that is one race victory. So, you know, he can afford one DNF, which they all will at some point, I think. Uh, he can afford one DNF with Lewis winning and still be there, which is a very psychologically very important. Um few other mentions. I think Carlos Sainz did a great job all weekend. Fantastic qualifying lap, I thought. Um, to be right up there, P6. Uh, what was he? About a tenth and a half slower than Daniel. Um, great effort from him. Great result for Daniel, obviously, to get a podium after all the uh, mess-ups last year with the pit stop and strategy. So that's good for him. Um, Lewis's strategy, uh, you know, it's funny. In the morning, I put a video up on Instagram and I thought... He's got that. That is the only card he's got to play. They've got to go long. Let people peel out of the way. That used to actually be the old GP2 strategy. If you were out of position and you felt you had a quicker car, you either did two things: either pit on lap one if you were at a track where you where um, you know you knew you had enough free air to hammer it and maybe overtake the slower cars, or if you were at a place like Monaco, you tended to just go long all the way to the end. People will pit. You get free air. Go 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 go. And that's what they did. Um, so it was, it was a logical strategy. Uh, damage limitation. They got seventh. It's probably the best they were going to go do. Um, I think quick couple of mentions. Jensen Button did a great job in qualifying. That's going to put a bit of pressure on Stoffel uh, in terms of perception around his career because the guys come in after seven months and go within two tenths of him. That's quite um, uh, you know perception is such a funny thing in this business. And Stoffel in the end crashing out of the points in the race as well, didn't end well for him. But yeah, lots of talking points. Uh, it's, been, it's been an interesting weekend on the whole, even though the race itself wasn't. Uh, and now we'll see what happens in Montreal. Uh, I'm off to Le Mans. I'm actually missing the Montreal Canadian Grand Prix um, because I'm, going, I'm, I'm racing at Le Mans. So we've got a crazy week. Uh, we've got the Williams Fan Day on Friday and then I'm heading to Le Mans straight from Silverstone on Friday evening. I'll get to Le Mans about one in the morning. Uh, for the test, come back a few days at home and then head back out for the for the 24 hours. So, yeah, pretty manic few weeks ahead. Anyway, bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.